Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called the, the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 of the um, text. Of, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. Thank you, Herm and Ethan. Wow, you can have a seat. That's pretty good. cool. Applause after the scripture. Well, I want to pray a little bit. Uh, there's some folks in our church uh, that are going through some things. And uh, plus, you think of uh, 41 that uh, passed away the whole nation uh, mourning and grieving uh, the death of a president. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for Project 117, Lord. Uh, the inspiration uh, from your word, Isaiah 117, that you're supposed to do justice and take care of orphans and widows. Lord, I thank you for the ministry that we can partner with, Lord, for Kyle and, and the others that are involved in that, uh, both here and abroad. We just pray your favor upon this ministry, your blessing upon this ministry, and thank you that we can give uh, of our prayers and um, our money. Lord, we can even go uh, to experience what you're doing there in Ethiopia. Lord, we lift up Pastor Dave Andrews to you, uh, just uh, recuperating after that new knee. Lord, just thank you for the progress and pray for Benedine Schneider hospitalized, Lord. Uh, just pray for your healing mercy upon her. And God, we think of the Oz family, uh, another, another child born into this family yesterday, a little girl. Lord, we just rejoice with this family and pray for Dolores Bullis. Lord, uh, just walking through that valley of the shadow of death is on hospice. God, we ask that you would be near and dear to her. Thank you for her good confession of her faith in you for salvation. And we pray for Errol Wolf, Lord, as he goes in for surgery tomorrow, that you would bless him and heal him and just give him a peace that he cannot understand as well. Father in heaven, we do stand in awe today that you would actually leave the glory of heaven to be born in a barn, to put skin on and live the life that we can't and to die the death that we couldn't die, even death on a cross. And so we just want to say that we need you, Jesus. We need your forgiveness. We need your presence in our lives. We need your love in our hearts we need your power to obey your word. We've tried it in our own, and it just doesn't work. We can't save ourselves, and we can't live the life that you call us to live on our own strength. We need you, Jesus. And so as we open our hearts to your love and joy and peace this Advent season, would you teach us what it means to adore you? And we do join 
Kyle in Project 117 to pray for the lonely and the lost and the least and those who feel left out. Jesus, would you be for them the wonderful counselor? We pray for the hurting, the homeless, the helpless, for the sick and suffering. Jesus, would you be for them the mighty God? We pray for the orphan, the neglected, the grieving. Jesus, would you be for them the everlasting Father? And God, whether in distant lands like Iraq or Afghanistan or Africa or Nicaragua, in a marriage or a family, in a church, or in the battles of temptation, anger, lust, and self-destruction that rages in our hearts, would you be for us the Prince of Peace? And Lord, we do lift up the Bush family and all those in our country as we lay to rest our beloved president. Lord, uh, even as the funeral proceedings go on, Lord, that during that funeral service that you, Jesus, would be glorified and that you would be honored as we remember and honor the life of George H. Bush. So here we are today, Lord, in church, expecting, hoping to catch a glimpse of your glory, of your face, Jesus, to sense your presence as we meet in your name, to feel again the power of your saving and sustaining grace as we worship you and the wonders of your love for only one reason. You indeed are Christ the Lord, and we say in our hearts, Jesus is Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So uh, we're going to go through these names in Isaiah 6 and 7. And the first candle, we want that to represent the wonderful counselor. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But what's in a name? You know, names historically have been extremely important. That's why uh, young couples to this day argue about what to name their babies. All the young couples say Amen. I mean, even yesterday when I got a, a text message saying that the Oz baby came, they still hadn't named that baby. I hope that baby's named. Little girl, sweet little girl. I mean, what kid would ask for a name like Jehoshaphat or uh, Habakkuk? Uh, we were going to name our son Tom instead of John, but then we got to thinking, Tom, Mata, Tomata, Tomata, no, that wouldn't work. But you see, names are much more than a pretty sound. Names mean something. Names often describe the individual. And it was the name Jesus that was given to that babe in Bethlehem because Matthew 121 says he would save his people from their sins. And that's what Jesus means. That's what the Old Testament name Joshua means. It means Savior. It means Jehovah saves. But Jesus was given a lot of other names like Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Matthew writes in chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet in Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin, he quotes it, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah spoke of a child. You know, if you read the first part of Isaiah 9, a child that would bring light to a dark world and joy like people experience at harvest time. In Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, Isaiah said that this child 
uh, would be born, you know, we talked about the humanity of Christ, and this son would be given, we talked about the divinity of Christ last week, and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, this is one special person. I mean, who else in all of history fits this description? I mean, how many of you would name your kid Mighty God? I mean, really? You know, Mighty God, time for breakfast, right? Dear, you want to change old Mighty God's diapers? Or Prince of Peace, stop fighting with your brother. Or what am I going to do with you, everlasting father? I mean, Jesus, he's the only one who fits this description. Obviously, these names are descriptions of Jesus Christ. And so during these four weeks of Advent, we're going to be looking at each of these names. You know, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And today I want to talk about the Wonderful Counselor. And I think when most folks around these parts of the country think of the word wonderful, they sometimes they think of, especially the old, old, old folks like me, you know, we think of Lawrence Welk, you know, a wonderful, a wonderful, right? You know, or Wonder Bread, or that classic Christmas movie, which Mary and I, we've already watched it, you know, it's a wonderful life. Every year we watch that movie. Many church folks start thinking about hymns or choruses with the word wonderful in it, like, you know, isn't he wonderful, 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 remember? And uh, wonderful, the matchless grace of Jesus, right? Or his name is wonderful, his name is wonderful, or when I survey the wondrous cross, or oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, the word wonderful in the Bible is the Hebrew word pele, P-E-L-E. And pele, it means wonderful. You say, wow, Dave, how'd you come up with that? Pele means wonderful. Pele means incomprehensible. Pele means marvelous. 99% of the time, pele is used in the Bible to describe acts of God. Now, counselor means to advise. It means to plan. It means to purpose. And this wonderful God has counsel for us. This wonderful God has plans for us. This wonderful God has a purpose for us. I mean, your life is not an accident. Psalm 33 says, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generation. God has a purpose for us. He's got a plan for us. He's got counsel for us. And it all has to do with this child that was born, this son that was given. You want wisdom, you want counsel, you want purpose, you want guidance. It's all wrapped up in this child. It's wrapped up in this son. He is the wisdom of God. He is the wonderful counsel. Remember what we talked about last week? We used the verse from Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says that they might know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of what? The treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, it's no accident that Jesus, right before his death, said to his disciples, I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. All forms of Pele. You know, all the nouns, the verbs, the adjectives, like wonderful, wonders, wondrous, wonderfully, wondrously, they all refer to God's activity. My question for us today is this. If Jesus 
is truly wonderful. If Jesus does wonderful things, what should our response be to somebody that is truly wonderful, who does wonderful things? What should our response be to the wonderful one? Well, first of all, it should be wonder. (laughs) You know, like, wow. You know, I think that's what we've lost in our culture, in our church culture. We've lost the wow of knowing God, the wow of knowing Jesus, the wonder of Jesus. I mean, is it still amazing and marvelous to think of the virgin birth? You know, that Jesus, you know, co-equal with the Father, would actually leave heaven to be born in a barn, to think of the Trinity, to think of the, the incarnation that God actually became a man without ceasing to be God. I mean, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Does it still bring wonder to your heart when you think of those shepherds, you know, part of the Christmas story? The shepherds out there on the hillside, and then the angel that said, hey, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that's going to be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. Wow, just think, an angel said that. An angel Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? An angel spoke to these shepherds. And then the whole angelic choir in blazing splendor singing glory to God. That's amazing. And then there's the wise men, the magi from the east following a star. You know, it probably took them two years to get there. Bringing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. What a wonderful thing. Gifts for a king. How did they know that? How did they know that? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Do you still have that wonder? Do you still have that amazement? I mean, truth. Think of all the prophecy. You know, they say there's at least 333 prophecies in the Old Testament about the first coming of Christ. All the prophecies fulfilled in this child. All the prophecies fulfilled in this son. I just sit back and I think, wow, this really happened. This is not a fairy tale. This is actual history, truth written before it actually happened. Wonder. Amazed is another response. Are you amazed at the love of God? Let's make it a little bit personal. Is it still amazing and marvelous and wonderful that God sent his son Jesus just for you? I mean, that God actually loves you? That Jesus knows all about you, he still loves you, and he died for you. To think that if you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have died just for you. Are you amazed at the love of God? I mean, John wrote in his first letter, that's what the men are going through on Fridays, you know, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. I mean, it's marvelous. It's wonderful. It's incomprehensible. And the Apostle Paul, he couldn't get over the love of God either when he prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how high and long and how wide and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's wonderful. It's incomprehensible. It's marvelous, remember? Do you remember when you came to a point in your life when you realized that you needed a Savior and you turned from your own way, and you turned from your idols, and you invited Jesus to come into your life and to forgive your sins. Do you remember that? 
You ask them to be your Lord. You ask them to be your leader. Do you ever sit back and, and just in wonder, just say, I just love you, Lord. I love you. I don't understand it all, but I love you. I love you with all my heart. I don't know why Jesus loves me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm so glad that he did. How can we recapture the wonder of God? Listen, the way to recapture the wonder, not only of Christmas, but of God, is to speak and to talk of God's wonderful acts. Let me read you a bunch of verses from the Old Testament in Psalms, Psalm 9-2. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. Psalm 26-7, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Psalm 75, verse 1, we give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your name is near. Men tell of your wonderful deeds. 1 Chronicles 16, 9 and 10, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts, glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. And then Psalm 40, verse 5, many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders that you have done, the things you planned for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Talk about God's wonderful acts. I mean, the early church had this sense of wonder. I mean, let me read to you some scriptures from the book of Acts which describe the, the birth and the growth of the early church. For example, Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Remember Peter? He stood up and he preached that first sermon. He quoted from the prophet Joel which says, you know, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on, on all flesh on all the people, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below. And after Peter quoted the Old Testament, he said, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to, by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. In Acts 4.30, the early church prayed, stretch out your hand, God, and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your servant, Jesus. I mean, these people were on fire. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Acts 6, 8 describes Stephen, the first deacon of the church, as a man full of God's grace and power. And he did wonders and miraculous signs. And right after Stephen was stoned to death, he reviewed, or right before Stephen was stoned to death, he reviewed the history of what God has done before these unbelieving Jews and before the Sanhedrin. In Acts 7, 36, he said, God led the Hebrew people out of Egypt and did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. And then Acts 14, verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed their message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous and signs and wonders. Any signs and wonders going on here at Calvary? What has God been up to in your life? What has God been up to in this church? I believe we can recapture the wonder of Christmas and the wonder of what God is doing in your life, in this church, in this community, in our world by, by telling. 
by speaking of God's wonderful deeds, by telling of his wonders. And we just heard Kyle's story. Wasn't that a good story? It's a true story, what's going on in Ethiopia and how it started, that Project 117. Let me ask you some questions. What is God teaching you? What do you see God doing in your life? In this church. Let me put it this way. Is there anything happening in your life or in this church that's like almost unexplainable, that's incomprehensible, that is marvelous, that is wonderful, that can only be explained by saying, God did it, God did that, God is doing this, God is orchestrating this, God brought me here. I mean, is there anyone here that has made a commitment to Jesus in the last five years? You've accepted Christ into your life. You have rededicated your life to him. To me, that is a miraculous thing. That is a a wonderful thing. Only God can make dead things live. I mean, the Bible says that we were dead, right, in trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have some pregnant women in our church. Emily's not pregnant anymore. She just had a, a little girl yesterday, and that's a wonderful thing. A marvelous thing. The Bible says in Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together, formed me, knit me together in my mama's womb. I praise you because why? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That is an act of God. And that's why abortion's so wrong. You're destroying something that's wonderful. We could go on and on declaring God's wonderful deeds. God may have healed you, healed your body. Healed your mind, healed your downcast spirit, healed your marriage. Healing is an act of God. Maybe God has helped you forgive someone. That's an act of God too. How many of us hold on to grudges and bitterness in our hearts and that root of bitterness grows in and just grabs a hold of us and takes us over? I mean, when there's reconciliation... That is a wonder of God. Any ministry, any gift, any fruit that you see is an act of God. When people show up at this church and want to connect and grow and give and serve and and witness, I believe that that is a wonder. God brought you here for a reason, and that's his direction. That's his leading. He is the wonderful counselor. Maybe you've been going through a crisis. Maybe a divorce. Maybe in a stress-filled situation, but you have had an overwhelming sense of peace and what the Bible calls a peace that actually passes understanding. That's God. Maybe you've experienced a loss recently, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, a a loss of health, a loss of a relationship, but yet you've experienced comfort and the truth of the word of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I look back on my own life, I'm still, I'm just amazed seeing God's, you know, footprints all over my life, even before I gave my life to Christ. How God changed the focus of my family. When my brother came home from college and he said that he had accepted Jesus and that he was filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, I still feel the wonder and the amazement when I ask Christ to come into my life, such peace, like there's a big weight taken off of my back, I'm still in wonder how I ended up at a college called Westmark College, and there I met a wonderful Christian girl named Mary. I can't get over the wonder of seeing a child being born into this world. Mary and I will never forget Elise and 
Leah and John being born. We've seen God touch their lives as, as they have accepted Jesus, and we've watched them struggle. We've watched them grow in their faith. We've seen the wonderful counselor's purpose for them slowly unfold as they chose their college and they, they sense God's leading in the future. And two out of three of them have chosen their mates, and now there's you know, grandkids. I mean, it's awesome. It's wonderful. Hey, there's been struggles. Our kids aren't perfect. They're just like yours. <laughs> and that's why we're so amazed, because we can see God working in their lives in spite of their struggle, in spite of their sin. The greatest wonder I have is when I see someone come to faith, real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I watch him. I watch them change before my very eyes. I watch them change in their attitudes and their actions, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, as Mary and I reflect on our lives together, we can see clearly the wonderful acts of God, his salvation, his sovereignty, his plans, his purpose, his guidance, his forgiveness, and it's all him. It's all about him. It's all about him. What a wonderful God, and we get to be a part of what he is doing here at Calvary. God is at work. The Father is working, and we get to join him. Life has meaning. Remember in that Jimmy Stewart classic Christmas movie? You know, It's a Wonderful Life. I had mentioned that earlier. George Bailey cried out as they stood on a snow-covered iron bridge over the dark, swirling river below, saying, you know, I want to live again. <laughs> you know, I want to live again. I want to live again. With the help of Angel Second Class Clarence Oddbody, George had just discovered to his horror what life would be like had he never been born. Anybody who's watched It's a Wonderful Life knows Bedford, Bedford Falls had become, quote, Pottersville. Its main street, a red light district with loud music and garish flesh peddling neon signs, a transformation from Courier and Ives to Sodom and Gomorrah all because George had never been born. One person can make an enormous difference in the lives of others in a community and an entire culture. Just let me ask you this. What if Jesus was never born? What difference would it have made in history or in our daily lives if a Bethlehem stable had not served as a makeshift delivery room 2,000 years ago? Think about it. Where would you be without Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor? Everything could be explained. There'd be no wonder, there'd be no amazement, there'd be no thrill, no plan, no purpose, no peace, no forgiveness. Life would be blah, it wouldn't even come close to a wonderful life. Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived, has changed virtually every aspect of human life, and most people don't even know it. The greatest tragedy of the Christmas holiday each year is not so much its commercialization, but its trivialization. People have forgotten him to whom they owe so very, very much. You know, and it's time, it's really time for us to declare his wonderful works. It's time to go tell it on a mountain. It's time to shout it from the housetops. He is the wonderful counselor 
this Christmas, let's talk about what God has done in our lives. Let's talk about what God is doing in our lives. Let's speak of his activity, of his wonders, wonders of his love, wonders of his grace, the wonders of his guidance, the wonders of his peace, the wonder, wonders of his purposes and his plans. Let's tell of his wonderful acts. It's kind of like a verse I, I really like in Psalm 126. It's kind of like a revival chapter in the Bible. It's where we get the bringing in the sheaves song from. But it says in Psalm 126, the first three verses, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Let's pray together. Maybe as I've been speaking, you've been thinking, you know, I can't really think of anything God is doing in my life. Or I don't have a sense of that peace or purpose in my life. I'm not sure if Jesus Christ is in my life. And maybe you're kind of saying with George Bailey, I just want to live again. I want to live again. Maybe today is your day when you just open the door of your heart to Christ and you just say, Jesus, I am so sorry. You have not been first in my life. I've broken your law. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. It's too wonderful for me to even comprehend. Please, Lord, come into my life and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. I want to live again. I want to know you not just by name, but by experience. I want to experience you, Lord Jesus, as the wonderful counselor. I never want to get over your love. I want to sing of your love forever. You're too wonderful, Lord. Words cannot express what I feel right now in my heart. I just love you, Jesus. And as we move into this time of communion, I mean, this is a wonderful thing right here. I'm going to ask Bill, uh, not Pastor Bill, lay person Bill Kranzler, there he is. Um, This is wonderful that we we get to partake of communion every month. It's a wonderful thing to remember the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he had such a great passion for us, and it, it should make us have a passion for him. And you remember that story in Luke 24, and Jesus was walking with those two on the road to Emmaus, and... It's like he revealed himself to them. And he was talking about the word of God and and they had burning hearts. They said, didn't our hearts just burn when he talked to us about the word of God? And then they said, you know, he made himself known to us in the breaking of the bread. To me, this is a symbol, but you know, I think it's a little more than that, don't you? Couldn't the Lord do a marvelous thing for each one of us today as we partake of the bread and the juice? Couldn't he make himself known to us again? I pray that that happens. It would be a a wonderful experience of Jesus as we partake of communion. So, Lord, we thank you that you came all the way from heaven to go all the way to the cross to die in our place, to shed your innocent blood for each and every one of us, to demonstrate your love to us, Lord. 
And I'm asking, God, that you would reveal yourself to us again as we partake of the bread and of the cup. Lord, as we turn away from our sin, as we repent and fall in love again with you and our neighbors, I pray that you would make yourself known and real to each one of us in a miraculous way as we partake of this holy meal. So we just commit this time to you and thank you, Lord, that we get to eat with you today. In Jesus' name, amen.